Hello and welcome to episode 17 of series 4 of the Engaging Internal Comms podcast. This is the show for employee engagers and internal communicators who like to keep up to date with all that is new in our profession. My name's Craig Smith from The Big Picture People. Welcome to this episode. I'm just going to mention at the beginning of this episode something I mentioned in the last show. If you've already listened to that, apologies. But it's an event that I think you might be interested in. It's on the 13th and 14th of September in London in the UK. But it's also an online event as well. And it is an employee experience conference. Uh, Some fantastic guest speakers. uh, People like Stephen Fry, actor and broadcaster. But also people from the world of employee engagement and internal communication from a wide range of very, very high-profile organisations and also some very, very senior professionals. So real opportunity to gain insights and to tap into their knowledge and expertise as well. So as I say, it's on the 13th to 14th of September. The organisers have very kindly provided us with a discount code which you can use to save 25% and that's on all of the different tickets that are available. That's on the online and the face-to-face event. So if you'd like to take up that opportunity, uh, if if you want to find the event, it is available at Unily, which is U-N-I-L-Y dot com backslash unite. And that is backslash unite, U-N-I-T-E. So if you go to the event there, if you click on the register now button, and uh, then if you go, that will take you through to an Eventbrite page where you can book your ticket. But what you'll be able to do there is you will be able to enter the code Craigs, which is C-R-A-I-G-S with no apostrophe between G and S. And you will be able to get 25% if you apply that code to your ticket booking, you'll get 25% off the, uh, the list price of the tickets there. So uh, we'd just like to share that with you. I think it's an amazing event. It's great to have an event like this uh, back in the face-to-face world, but also with the quality and caliber of the speakers there. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be taking along my microphone and recording equipment, and I'm going to be trying to grab some conversations with some of these uh, fantastic guests and some of the fantastic speakers who are going to be there and just asking them to share some of their pearls of wisdom on the show as well. So uh, that's why I'm going to be there. Uh, And uh, if you'd like to be there, as well as i say you can get 25 percent off i'll put that code and the link into the show notes which you can find on our website version of the podcast at engagingic.com if you want to take that opportunity um that's uh, so that's that's that uh, just a quick reminder of what we've got coming up in future episodes so in on the 29th of august i have an interview with Kerry ann stimpson who is from jmmb group uh, Jamaica, which is a financial services company. Kerry-Ann has, is going to be telling us all about the, the value of helping our employees to be brand advocates for our organisation. Um, one, one of the most untapped resources that we have in terms of building our company brand and reputation are our, empl- our employees themselves. So how can we enable them to be fantastic brand app- ambassadors, not only when they're at work, but also when they're interacting outside of work on social media um, uh, and how they can they can help us to really kind of become an employer of choice and also become um, a, you know a favourite for our customers as well. And then after that, on the twelfth of September, I have an interview with Matt Shaw and Tama Carell from Icor, and they're going to be helping us understand more about a very important topic, which is 
communicating sustainability so that's all about the the sustainability agenda that many organizations have at the moment whether that's environmental sustainability or sustainability in its broadest sense and that is an area that more and more organizations are finding more challenging to communicate often because it's linked to legislative requirements and organizations often find it very difficult to to communicate legislative and legal and regulatory requirements in a compelling and interesting way and Matt and Tamara have got some really interesting approaches to that which we'll be sharing in that episode which will go out on the 12th of September so that's what we've got coming up and um, I hope you enjoy listening to those but most of all I hope you enjoy the following interview on today's show We visited the topic of diversity and inclusion a number of times on the show, and we've covered it in the specific episodes as well. But I wanted to look at it from a different angle, from a different perspective. One of the things that organisations often fall into the trap of doing is, is particularly with topics like DNI, is to look at them from particularly just from a compliance perspective. That is, it's a legislative or something that we've got to deliver either through our obligations legally or through our obligations to our employees. And there's a tendency to see it as something that we we, we treat as a tick box exercise and that we execute on that, that basis. And I wanted to look at it from a more human perspective, and particularly how do we actually walk the talk and actually deliver this within our organisations from a from a perspective of humanity and wanting to create a working environment that is inclusive and gives gives people a sense of belonging and allows them bring to bring their whole self self to work. So my guest today is someone who's going to give us some insights into that from her work and also to help us to understand how the importance of language really plays into, into, into that whole DNI space. We're also going to look at the importance of making sure that there's a connection between our internal communications and our espoused approaches to DNI, but also to make sure that that aligns with our external communications, not just from a branding and marketing perspective, but also our internal policies and documents that we use are fully inclusive and acknowledge the fact that uh, that lack of inclusivity can be sometimes uh, embedded within our, our whole systems and networks within our organization from a process perspective. We're also going to then finally finish by looking at the role that we can play as internal communicators, as employee engagers, as organizational development specialists in helping our organizations to, to, to make these cultural changes that we need to make to, to in order to, to make them more diverse and inclusive. And, and my guest will look at both ends of the, uh, the spectrum in terms of our, our budgets, in terms of if we have very little resource and how we can be resourceful and make a change um, ourselves. And, and make an impact and also if we do have a budget how we can invest that appropriately and make sure that we get that relative return on investment from our our work on dni so that's what this uh, episode is all about how we can drive more diversity inclusion and representations within our organizations my guest today is jen o'ryan jen is a consulting editor specializing in inclusion diversity and representation after an extensive clear a career of instigating change at Fortune 100 companies and a few small but mighty startups, Jen started Double Tall Consulting. This new company would fill a gap faced by many organizations, how to get their inclusion and diversity initiatives from good intentions to effective, measurable, meaningful results. Jen now works with businesses, leaders, product owners, writers who want to get their messages across to a broader audience. 
organizations bring Jen in to design their content, culture, and processes to be more inclusive. So, hello, Jen. How are you? Hello. Good, good. I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. And um, I know we were talking about this before we started recording, but just just for our listeners, could you tell us whereabouts in the world you are, Jen? Yeah. So I'm based in the States, uh, just outside of Seattle over in Washington. So so the West Coast, uh, about 20 minutes away from the ocean. Brilliant, fantastic. So I, I gave a little introduction there, which I which I took from your uh, your, your profile. Do you want to just tell us a little bit more more about your career and and what's led you to what you're doing now, Jen? Please. Yeah. So uh, so I, I I grew up in the Seattle area and I spent a few years traveling around the states uh, contracting. So I was exposed to a lot of different people from a lot of different experiences, and it really just opened my eyes to you know, how, how much similarities we have and yet how different our worldviews are because of our experiences. And after spending about 20 years in tech, I really gravitated towards how do we make organizations more human? And it started through the lens of inclusion, diversity, and belonging, but Mm -hmm. it it, really goes down to everything that, that, how do we get that, you know, we've, we've processed ourselves into a corner and how do we humanize our way out of it? Mm-hmm. And and, and the, your passion for for, for DNI, we call it DNI in the UK, and I know it's was a DNI in, in in the states. What 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 led you to be so passionate about that topic, Jen? Well, what I found in in, in organizations of any size and and teams as small as you know three people or fifty, um, mm. it really is about that human element and being able to show up as yourself. Yeah, and this when you're not in that space, when you're having to compartmentalize or shift or or conform beyond who you are, there's so much loss of creative problem solving, and there's so much mm. loss of productivity, and and that's where we really get the suboptimal results and cynicism and frustration and negativity, and it's not that everything's going to be sunshine and roses when an organization is inclusive, but it makes it so much easier to get the the bigger problems solved. Mm. When when people don't have to invest all that energy in pretending to be something that they're not. Yeah, yeah, I think it's that that sense of belonging and feeling you can bring your whole self to work. I think is really really important and um, uh, often often paid paid lip service to. And I think that's what we were going to talk about because uh, I think we both had a, a shared um, uh, experiences of, of working with and and perhaps in organizations where there was a very much a kind of a, a compliance. So in the UK, we call it a kind of tick box mentality mm-hmm. to, to, to DNI and, and, and diversity and inclusion initiatives. And I know you're, you're, you talk very much about humanizing it. Um, do you want to just talk a little bit about that in more detail and your, your take on that and your, your particular approach, approach to that and, and how your, you, your experiences have maybe shaped that approach as well? Yeah, and, and that's such a that's such a good good place to start because it's so it's so common. And what I found in the work that I do, and even talking to colleagues, very rarely is it coming from a bad place. Mm. Very rarely is it coming from a place of malice. It tends to either fall into people genuinely believe that what they're doing is that deeper work, mm. uh, and 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 to them they don't they don't experience the world in that way, and so they don't understand that well, this is really superficial, and you've got to get to the next level. Like it's, mm. it's not a done. Right. And then the other side is, is people who want to make that change, but they're getting resistance from 
leadership or their executive team or the person who has to sign the checks and allocate resources. And they really struggle with getting that message communicated in a way that's meaningful to the person who is allocating the resources. Mm -hmm. And so they just kind of get stuck in the cycle of six to eight weeks of work and then it doesn't take. And so they try something again and, and they get burnt out. And then the people they're trying to support also get burnt out, typically the employees. Mm. And it, it just can be really frustrating. Mm. And then there's also the the tendency towards looking at DNI as this monolithic thing, mm. and not peeling it back and really personalizing it based on you know segments of the population. And not that everybody has the same experience, but you can't. It's not a one size fits all approach. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and I think you see that in a lot of a lot of initiatives where I think there's a and I call it an initiative and that's probably the wrong language to use but are these these sort of things where organizations do try to simplify them purely because they've got so much on their plate and they're trying to kind of reduce it down but that with a topic like this I guess kind of dilutes the the impact and value of it in the first place Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and then I, I don't know if y'all are experiencing this we we tend to see to kind of experience things in in parallel i've noticed um but right now in the states there's a huge uh push against you know very anti-lgbtq plus mm, mm. uh sediments and legislation and and things like that and so we're seeing now these large corporations who have taken a stance to be inclusive um and to support the community uh, now they're they're kind of stepping that back they're they're peeling mm. that back and right. And they're relinquishing to this pressure, and that is palatable. I mean, that's you, you can you can feel it in the community. It's like, oh, you were standing up for this until it got hard. Yeah, yeah. And where do you think that's coming from? Because that's interesting. I mean, I, I, I've I've probably not had the 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 experience of 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 um, organizations that you've got in that in that arena. So, but I'm, I would imagine you, you know you you you're right. I think we often uh, tread a very par very similar parallel path over here, and 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 you, you know, there's a lot often a lot of similarities. Where do you where do you think that's coming from? That kind of it, it's kind of too difficult, and and is it as simple as that? It's too difficult, and we're backing away from it or is it a kind of p political pressure or a kind of uh, a media attention where do you where do you think that's coming from uh, jan i think oftentimes it comes from it's it, it, i don't i don't think a lot of executives are, are going to admit that it's because it's hard but mm. they're going to say well we don't want to be political mm. and mm. i i'm hearing that more and more over the last few years and my counter to that is always this is a human's right issues yeah, this is yeah. a political issue. We we think about it in political terms because that's typically where most people talk about it. Mm, it's mm. in you know the legislative arena and things mm. like that. But these are really human rights issues. If mm. if you can be fired for being LGBTQ plus, then mm. that's a human rights issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, honestly, I think every time one of these situations pop up, my first thought is, and my husband can catch this look on my face every time. <laughs> um, somebody somebody didn't get the memo. Like that, you can have it. it, it it's got to be part of the part of the core of mm, mm. the organization, and if there's one person who's working in, I'll just say a you know PR team or something like that, or the marketing mm. team or whatever that is, um, and if they don't really get it, if they don't really internalize it, and they release a statement or they make a decision to pull back merchandise, that's gonna that's gonna reflect on the entire organization, mm, mm, and so mm. that that to me is 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 a very common situation where a small team who's not really understanding the meaning behind their decision is making this decision. Yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah, that, that takes me on to what I wanted to talk about um, with you, Jen, which I know we talked about in the pre-interview, which which is which is how we get our language right in in our in organisations when it comes to DEI. How, how do we? What are the what are some of the factors that organisations need to take care of? Because obviously, this podcast, a lot of a lot of people on listening to this podcast will be, you know, we're working in internal comms uh, or marcoms. What, what what are some of the things that we need to be thinking about there? Because that's a really important element of this, isn't it? It really is. It is. And and even on a at, at a human level, the the words that we use to describe our situation and and describe people, humans, things, anything. Yeah. Fill in, pick, pick your noun. Um, the way that we describe that really shapes our interpretation and our perception and our experience of it. And yeah. so even going to the next level, the, the words that we use to describe other human beings and talk about other human beings is is really complicated. And it's really easy to do it wrong, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Um, so the biggest thing that I, I caution people to do is just be really mindful. If somebody says, you know, this is this term is outdated, or this uh, this phrase has um, connotation, or mm. has you know the the origin story of that term is not great. Mm. Um, our first response is always going to be to protect our ego. Yeah. Well, that's not what I meant, or that's not how I feel, or that's not my experience, or I'm fine with it. And really taking a pause, pulling the lens back, and seeing what how that word or that phrase is landing with people who aren't you. Mm, mm. Um, yeah. Because those people who aren't you typically are going to be traditionally marginalized or historically ignored populations. Mm. And there's an inherent power imbalance in that. And so even if I, as a white cis person, don't take offense to that word and I'm fine with that word, it doesn't mean everybody should have that word used for them. No, no. Yeah. And I was going to ask if you, if you, if you know, some examples of that again, without, without, <laughs> you know, offending anyone by, 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 by you, but, but purely for the, for the, for the purposes of this interview. I mean, you, know, uh, you, you gave an example there. I mean, I, and again, cause I think, I think this may be links to what you were talking about before in terms of this not backlash that's the wrong that's too strong a word but this kind of reticence to deal with this or to 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 approach this or have conversations about this in organizations is this fear of being seen to be you know oh it's just political correctness it's you know this is language we've always used and it's okay and and all of these excuses that people use uh, and i guess that's kind of part of this this challenge that, that we've got in organizations is that is that how do we and then you alluded to it there is how do we challenge this without creating that kind of Offensive reaction that that sometimes people can 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 you can initiate and inadvertently because they're sort of seeing it as the grammar police or the you know the word police or whatever. How do, how do we kind of get that balance right? And also, you know, what are some of the what are some of the, th- the sort of areas that we need to be very careful of and and um, and not inadvertently stray into when it comes to the use of language in in, in you know from a from a from a DEI perspective. Yeah, and it, it's a tough balance because mm. you on, on one. On uh, one aspect is you you really do need to let people know when when terms are problematic. Yeah. Right. When when the word they're using isn't 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 bringing people in mm-hmm. and could be causing harm or offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other aspect of that is that you don't want to be seen as the person who is you know like the referee on the field throwing throwing down the yellow flags yeah, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because that shuts down conversations and it really will shut people out of conversations. Mm, mm, and mm. if people feel like they have to regulate themselves around you, they're uncomfortable. And so I always come from a place of, I make mistakes 
all the time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. And I live and breathe this and I do it yeah. all the time. Yeah. I will accidentally use ableist language. Um, I was in an airport a few weeks ago and uh, the person in front of me getting bags after TSA was uh, dropped something. And I'm like, oh ma'am, you dropped your lotion. And I'm like, I, kn- I know better than, yeah. you know what I mean? But it is, yeah. so it's, it's not, I'm not here to correct you. Yeah. But it's a, it's a parameter. And so one of my, one, I think one of the easier ones to, to talk about is in examples like this is like, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And it's not, you know, it typically the pushback that I get is like, well, you're saying there aren't men and women. I'm saying there are men and women. They're just, it's not just men and women. Yeah. 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 And, and ladies has a social connotation. I mean, ladies yeah. has implication on it. Um, and so, yeah, so that's kind of a starting point. It's like, let's just be really mindful and precise about what are you trying to convey? Yeah. Yeah. Rather and than that, just using these terms that we've been using since we were in the eighth grade. Yeah. And that, that's, that's really interesting actually, because I've, I've, I've noticed that I've become much more aware of that recently because I do a lot of, um, you know, I, lo- I do a lot of facilitation and I do a lot of group events and, and, and that's something I've, and, and it's amazing once you become aware of it, how you, you do, you know, you become aware of it and therefore you change what you do. And and that was something that someone pointed out to me a few, a few I think it was probably a couple of years ago and I never even thought about it, you know, totally like you, you kind of alluded to there can be blissfully aware, unaware that that might be, you know, un- um, no, you know, unexclusive, but you know what I mean. I kind of excluding people is just to, you know, sort of, you know, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and 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 not recognizing, you know. So now I'm always kind of, you know, non-gender specific. I always talk about folks and 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 us, and and let's all get together rather than, you know, okay, let's let's get a start, ladies and gentlemen, which is what I always used to say. And I've always become very very tuned into that now. So it's a re- that's a really good example actually. And and again, it, it's not about a sort of political correctness. It's just it's just recognizing that that isn't as inclusive as we as we may think it is so um yeah, that's yeah. A- and, and i'm also a huge fan of bringing up movies like nine to five like mm. yeah, as an example of oh yeah, yeah okay and mm. it wasn't that it was okay it was never okay but the people mm. who had the microphones the people who were telling the stories the people who were making the movies mm. thought it was okay mm. and, and and we've learned and we've evolved and we have this amazing capacity for vocabulary so let's just take a minute and figure out what are we really trying to say yeah yeah yeah. Use words. yeah yeah exactly exactly um so i, I know we when we again when we, we spoke before and one of the areas i'd like to talk to you about is, is this idea that that you know kind of it's not just about internal comms it's not just about uh, it, you know it kind of links together our whole organizations in terms of you know for a commercial organization our branding obviously internal comms regardless of whether we're, we're public or private and, and and other communications and how we make sure that the, the, there's a consistency there because i guess you know organizations have become very conscious of um you know their external persona and, and how they communicate with their customers or with their consumers potentially um and obviously they've done work how do we how, and i know we, we spoke about how do we make sure these things are connected and we're not just sort of we're kind of uh, we've got this way of speaking to our customers you know in terms of from a di perspective and then we've got a different way that we use that internally what, what are some of the things that, that we need to kind of think about there in terms of linking those things together jen I I really promote taking a a, a design design thinking view okay. to to reviews, mm. um, and and this usually 
leaves people rushing towards the nearest exit when I talk about, you know, every every aspect of your product down to the third party apps that you're using, down to the registration pages, down to, mm. you know, the the legal agreements that are in there. Because that's where you get that consistent voice. I mean, if you talk to any company about their brand, they will talk about it in detail. Mm. If you ask them what the registration page looks like, they probably haven't gone that down down that mm. far. Mm. But it really starts with what is your potential employee or customer going to engage with first? Yeah. That's yeah. that's where that's where I need to find a better phrase for the rubber hits the road, but that's where the rubber hits the road. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I'm a cyclist, and so it's like that's where the rubber hits the road. Yeah, um, yeah. That's where that's where you really get that that connection between. Do you really get it, or is this just lip service? Mm, mm. And and that's part of doing the that's part of doing the the bigger hard internal work, because if you are presenting your organization as being inclusive and being you know, very intentional around your values for your humans. Um, what happens when they show up at your doorstep? Like mm. if there's a huge disconnect between what you've said and how, how you live, then they're going to pick up on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost not, it's almost worse than not espousing those values in the first place, isn't it? To be contradictory is, is actually, um, I'd rather, I'd rather you would just be honest with us in the first place. If, if, you know, rather than telling you you're going to do one thing and then doing something completely different. I think I guess we've all probably got experiences of as consumers or users of, a, of services where that that's happened and how it can really, it can really great, can't it? Yeah. Yeah. But I also don't want to scare people off because there's the, the power of having this complexity is that it really opens up a lot of possibility for those mm -hmm. change agents out there who see things in their organizations or in their comms or in their whatever, their third-party apps, um, that they can instigate a change. Mm -hmm. And and then they get a couple people rallied with them. And yeah, it, it's it's really, that that's where I see the, the lasting change coming in, is when you have people who are, are close enough to the work that they understand how it should be and then they have that whatever it is inside them to say let's go let's go push back and let's go let's go make this better mm, mm. yeah i'd like so i'd like to explore that with you because we, we've done a few episodes recently where we we you know for different contexts we've talked about the you know the importance of whether it's your internal communications organizational development hr leader learning and development uh this this ability to be a change agent and and to actually you know be a be a force for for effective good change for good within the organization um and i know you you you, you know that's what you you've just you've just used that term and it's something you talk about often and 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 particularly being resourceful and i'm, I'm kind of that that resonates with me as someone who's often comes out in these kind of team profiles as someone who's a as a resource investigator who's kind of good at good at uh, doing mm -hmm. things on a shoestring um mm -hmm. it'd be good i think maybe just to, you know for people who are listening to this to think well where do i start because I, I kind of everything you've said resonates with me but i you know it, like like you said earlier it, it can sometimes feel a little bit daunting it can feel but you know where 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 do i start with this thing it's it's a bit like it can sometimes feel a bit like boiling the ocean to use another metaphor but what 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 what, what, are, what are some of the things you'd recommend and i know you you'd said sometimes it's it's good to think about well what do i do if I've got, you know, a big budget and what do I do if I'm kind of just a, um, uh, you know, someone who's doing this on my own with my own kind of, uh, hands and arms and, and my own kind of, um, you know, my own resourcefulness. What, what, what are some of the things you'd, you'd sort of recommend at those different ends of that, that spectrum, Jen? I, 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 yeah, I would, I would never, I would never eliminate somebody of making change 
be on the, the amount of resources and, and you and I are so aligned on that. Yeah. But it really just, it start oftentimes what I what I see is if there's is if there's a meeting and, and something's happening in, in the meeting, everybody will look around to everybody else to see how they should react. Yeah. And oftentimes if one person just jumps in and says, This is not okay, like what you're saying, what you're doing, whatever is not okay, that can be enough to disrupt it. Yeah. But and but if we're talking about like the systemic change, those change mm. agents where they just they see it, it could be better. I my first instinct is to uh, have them really start with what they can control Hmm. and control is an illusion. We all know that, but what you can control is the words that you use Hmm. and modeling behavior and how you interact with people when um, there something needs to be disrupted. If it's a behavior or language pattern or something, Um, but really raising those issues. And I've seen, I've seen a single recruiter change how an entire enterprise does their candidate follow-ups just because she saw a problem. She saw it was negatively impacting all these individuals who really wanted to join the company Mm. and, and she pushed and they changed it and it didn't happen overnight and it's not always going to work. But yeah, start with, start with what you see as the issue, do your, the, the research that you can, and then just start implementing these small changes within your realm of control. Mm. And then that typically will signal to other people who also see the change and, mm. and, and bring them on board. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Very much the sort of Covey circles of concern, influence and control, isn't it? It's very much about start. It starts with you. And, and as you say, you, you know, in inverted commas, what you can control is the way you respond, the way you react, the way you communicate and the way you then start to support and coach others so you can influence them as well. And like you say, I think it's that having that empathetic approach, isn't it? To, to sort mm-hmm. of recognizing that, uh, you know, I, 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 I do this and, 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 and I recognize that in myself and and if i can help others to to be more aware of that and more conscious and more deliberate in the way that they they communicate and they use the, the language they use like then that can start to really amplify your own impact as a change agent can't it yeah yeah and, and the biggest thing and i say this again as a as a as a white cis woman um hmm. if you are doing work to support somebody whose lived experience is not your own hmm. so Somebody who's from a different segment of the population, different background, who's typically marginalized, make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons, one, but make sure that you're bringing that experience into the table and Mm. and being more of a co-conspirator and see how Mm. you can amplify their voice, but make sure that it's in support of them and Mm. not because you observe what you see to be a problem and now you're going to, you know, grab your sword and charge up the hill and save the day. Yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah. They they are the experience in their lived in 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 their life and their worldview, and just making sure that you're you're doing it in support, and that that population that you're intending to supporting, is 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 there. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, so we've talked about what you can do if you 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 relatively you know limited in terms of resources and i know it 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 probably sounds like it it, it's not a problem but as i my experience is sometimes having you know the 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 kind of corporate um paycheck be you know the 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 bit the 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 financial resource behind you sometimes can also be equally challenging in that well where do i start you know and and you can potentially not well not waste that money but you can spend it on things that actually aren't going to give you the 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 impact if you if you were talking to an organization that was maybe you know more more um more kind of uh 
had more abundant resources and we're talking you know maybe finance and people what what are some of the things that you, you where would you start there because again that can sometimes feel still feel overwhelming and and where you know how do i allocate those resources and divert that energy and attention to this yeah and oftentimes those resources comes with a lot of expectations so yes, you have to yes, you start, yeah. you're like okay well it's been three days or three months how mm-hmm. come you haven't done anything Mm, yeah, um, yeah, so, yeah yeah well and that's yeah i mean that's that's like i think we talked about this earlier in our conversations but linkedin announced uh, i think 2020 was the the largest the fastest growing c-suite title was chief diversity officer mm, mm. and i was encouraged by that but i was also questioning well how how is that aligned in the company like are they are they rolling up through an hr team where they will have hr agenda first and then Mm. the diversity and inclusion. Mm. Um, but And my second thought was, well, give me a, a chief diversity officer and three program managers who are motivated and we'll change the world. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. need both, right? Yeah. But if you, yeah, so say, okay, so say that you're somebody who has an appropriate budget resources allocation uh, and able to, to independently make decisions. Mm. My first recommendation is get a very diverse range of perspectives on on the team mm. so that you can avoid the groupthink in the silo and all of uh, everything that comes with that mm. um and then get yourself a whole bunch of experts because the people tend to look at dei as this overarching thing and it just isn't it's mm. it's it's very nuanced it's very subtle it's very um you go deep into these lived different lived experiences that don't necessarily translate all the time and yet are intersectional because humans are never just one thing. Mm, mm. Um, and and then just do the work and find out when you're finding these experts, find out why they're in it. Why why are they doing this work? Mm. Because it's, you know, it's not that you can be a consulting firm in 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 this arena and then all of a sudden now you're doing DEI work as yeah. well. Yeah. Like yeah, like there's there's a very specialized uh nuance and background to it. And, yeah. and just making sure that everybody who is working on this has your best interest at heart. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess there's, I mean, again, without, I don't want to draw any crass analogies, but I know I, I, I spent part of my career working in, in health and safety. And again, as I say, I don't want to kind of draw any sort of, you know, inappropriate analogies, but with, with, with working in health and safety, I had a very, very similar kind of challenge which was often seen as a as a com- compliance based thing and something that you know um that, that we could kind of then delegate co- to to our safety department as it were and i guess there's a, there could be a risk in organizations you know having a dedicated resource for 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 inclusion and diversity that there's sometimes seen as as well you know i'm a manager it's not my we've got a team who deals with that rather than actually recognizing that actually no you're 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 a manager you're a leader in this organization it starts with you i'm here to facilitate that and support you and give you the tools but also coach you and and guide you um you know with my team to help you and it's very much the kind of i guess the transition we saw in you know hr business partnering versus versus personnel or, or hr departments a few years ago or a long time ago i guess when when they were just seen as kind of you know they did all the processing and uh, and and all the kind of disciplinary stuff whereas the managers sort of you know just just thought it was a, their responsibility to do that rather than than you know part of their leadership and management role so i guess i guess that's one is that is that fair to say or is that is that is that inappropriate do you think 
No, no, I think it's, I think it's very fair to say. And I think that there's a lot of similarities because this is not, I mean, my comment is not meant to, you know, disparage Mm. any, any company agency, but because you do need that, right. You do need those policies. You do need, you need the the framework Mm. and it's not that it's necessarily a tip box, but you need to have elements in place Yeah, because not everybody's coming from not everyone's on the same point of the journey. Yeah. And so you do need to have those parameters, but you also need the ceiling and that ceiling needs a skylight and yeah. it needs somebody who is looking out and saying, what are we not thinking about? What, what are the absences? Who's not in our organization? How are people being treated? How are they experiencing this organization? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and really building it out that way. Yeah. And I think we have a lot of experts in laying that foundation, getting the policies, organizational assessments, things like that. And really the educational component comes in there too, because you have to be able to educate your people leaders and HR and recruiting and executives. And all of those are very nuanced educational Mm -hmm. aspects. Mm -hmm. But like I said, then you need, and to me, this is where the the CDO kind of comes in. It's like, yes, y'all build a framework and then we're going to, we're going to scaffold around the building and, and get ourselves ready to basically set the table for the yeah. next generation who's coming in or yeah. the next, the next cohort, the next people who are coming in. Yeah. 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 Excellent. So any, any, any final, any final tips, Jen, I know we, we, you've given us some very practical ideas there already, but any, any kind of, you know, just, just in terms of just kind of final call to action for anyone who's, um, who, who, who this resonates for, hopefully that will be a lot of people. I'm sure it will be, but any, any final, uh, sort of final sort of top tips from you, Jen? Um, yes. For, for the change agents out there in the world, um, never underestimate your ability to influence even if you don't get the change that you want in your organization, it has a splash and ripple effect out into mm. the community and other people will, will experience the change that you're, that you're working. Um, and then there's hope like this, this work can be really difficult and really heavy and it feels like it's not making progress fast enough. Uh, for some people it might feel too fast, but, uh, just keep hope, just keep hope and take breaks when you need to and, uh, hydrate. <laughs> excellent <laughs> i love that one hydration especially, is very important yeah definitely definitely yeah definitely especially this time of year which uh yeah it's very warm where, where we are and that sounds like it, it's getting yeah, warm it impacts your cognitive ability it makes people crunchy just hydrate just yeah. take care of yourself cool i love it i love it excellent well that that's been really 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 interesting jen and really helpful so thank thank you um just before we before we finish i just wanted to just talk about any links that we can put into the show notes so i'm going to put your um linkedin profile uh, link if that's okay with your permission just to make sure if anyone wants to pick up with you directly they've got an easy way to contact you have you got any other links that you'd like us to to share with our listeners uh, yes. If anybody would like to connect or learn more about my work or just have a chat, uh, website is, uh, pagingdrjen.com. Yeah. Okay. We'll put a link into that, into the show notes to that. So if anyone wants to pick up with you either that way or through, through LinkedIn, uh, they can do as well. And, uh, yeah, that's fantastic. So, so thank you so much, Jen. I uh, really, really, really found that really interesting and, and a, a topic we've, we've, we've covered D, D and I from different perspectives, but I think from this kind of language perspective and, and this very practical perspective that you talked about, really, really, really helpful and really interesting. So, um, I wish you all the best for the best for the rest of the, uh, the summer and uh, the rest of the year. 
year uh, and hopefully we will we'll, we'll, our paths will cross again and maybe we'll get you on the show again at some point in the future to talk about uh, some other aspects of your work awesome that would be fantastic thank you so much again for having me my pleasure thanks jen thank you bye-bye we hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Engaging Internal Comms podcast. If you've got any ideas for episodes you'd like us to cover in future, you can email us at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk or you can use the feedback form at engagingic.com. If you're not already subscribed to the show via your podcast platform, please do so. And if you could leave a review for us, that would be absolutely fantastic. We have links to other episodes at engagingic.com. All of our previous episodes are available there. And if you're interested in our visual communication services, our big pictures, our learning maps, our explainer videos, and also our live graphic recording, please get in touch with us again at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk. Thank you.